0: Betsy works as an instructional coach and an ELA teacher for the Gull Lake Virtual Partnership, a division of innovative programs in the Gull Lake Community School District in Southwest Michigan. Betsy holds a BS in secondary ed and MED in instructional tech and is a doctoral candidate in ed policy. Her favorite things are family coffee and doing what others say can't be done. Welcome to the podcast, Betsy.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat today. Well, as I start off with everybody, uh, tell me
0: about how time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out.
1: All right. I gave this a lot of thought and I tried to simplify um, my story of out of the trenches and I, I don't think I can. It, it takes some twists and turns on its way out. Um, I think it starts back with me as a student and I loved school and I was a good student and I did well in school and that had a big impact in me wanting to go into education and be a teacher. My teachers were my heroes growing up in a small rural school in Western Ohio. And so that's what I imagined I would do. And then um, life had other plans. So we had our first child who um, has special needs. So I made the decision to exit the classroom and stay home with her. And that was a great experience, but very humbling, um, trying to figure out how to balance all of her needs and our family and um, and what that would mean for us. And it was anyone anyway, with a special needs child and her needs are educational and health. And it's just very much a moving target as far as what our goals are and two steps forward and one step back. And in the process of addressing her educational needs, I found the Gallic Virtual Partnership and I enrolled her first as an art student. Right. And um, then I really enjoyed the program, really enjoyed the staff that were there and um, expressed interest in working part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, with my daughter still being my my priority, and part time developed into half time, um, and my career as a teacher just took this very unexpected turn in that I became an online teacher um, for the virtual school that they were expanding there as a full time um, school that students enrolled in full time, so I was their first teacher. Um, and I was a staff of one. And um, I had two students. And the next year, I had 16 students. And Uh it's from there. That's what inspired me to go into educational technology. And then as I consulted around the state of Michigan, and helped other people start similar programs, I became more involved in policy and understanding how it is that schools are governed and held accountable. And so that has led me into my um, doctoral work. And so kind of out of the trenches has just been me pursuing this um, this career as an online teacher because it's not the path that I envisioned when I went into education. I, I didn't have any, um, oh, what do I wanna say, desire to kind of go away from the traditional classroom. And it was really my personal circumstances that led me down that path, but I have really enjoyed um, interacting with different students and um, very creative and unique um, educators in a very kind of innovative way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting
0: to hear how, you know, enrolling your student or your daughter is uh, the virtual partnership that you are in. working there and how it's grown also since you started. So you talked to me a little bit in the pre-chat about your current position as an instructional coach. Um, and this you said it was a school within a district outside uh, Kalamazoo. Um That there was a program before you got there and then tell me a little bit about how it grew and kind of what the current state of your school is. And also what you do as an instructional coach within that um, partnership.
1: Absolutely. Um, I love talking about our school here. So our school Gullick virtual partnership is a program within our local school district, Gullick community schools, which is in Richland, Michigan, which is outside of Kalamazoo. Um, Our nearest, um, large city. And it started in 2010 as a um, a way to address the, the virtual class needs of students that were in our district. So they were in yeah. our traditional high school and they had a computer lab time where they took online classes. Um, prior to 2010, they took them from the statewide catalog through Michigan Virtual. And the district had a desire to use their own staff to Teach these classes for their own students and mm-hmm. keep it in house to increase, you know, the student connection to the teacher and vice versa. And so they asked me to do that for two students, and those students would take all of their classes online. So that was okay. a new modality that they wouldn't be at the high school; and they would be remote, and yeah. um, and I would be the teacher. And so I did that for those two students. Um, on an experimental basis. And it just, it grew by word of mouth. In the second year, it was 16 students. Um, we had a few support staff um, in the role of mentor and me as the only teacher. And we had a half time principal who was principal of um, all of the innovative programs, including our um, alternative high school that they also had that was a separate thing. And um, then the third year, they it grew to 45 students. So at that point, they added two more teachers and myself and the part-time principal. And after five years, it had grown to the point where we had our own principal. They hired a full-time administrator. And I think we were closing in on 75 students and a few part-time teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, we have a staff of 50. Um, I think that's 26 certified teachers, full and part-time, and we have about 400 FTE. Um, We have students who take a full load. Um, We have part-time students. We have homeschool students that take electives, and then we still do support those students in the high school that need online classes um, for whatever reason, if they've already taken the class and it's not offered at a time, they can take it, Um, or if it's just a class that they're interested in that's not offered. So we have around 400 full-time equivalency, So that's you know adding all the part-time students, the full-time students together. About 200 full-time students, I would say, and some part-timers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I was the first teacher and um, initially it was my availability and my interest in doing this um, this new role that nobody mm-hmm. really knew how it worked or what my expectations were what the commitment would be. And so we just made it up as we went. It was, we call those first three years, the wild, wild west days, because we um, really didn't, you know, every time we had to do something when they had to do a teacher evaluation using the district's rubric, we were trying to figure out, well, how do I show evidence that we did X, Y, or Z? Because we hadn't had to do that for an online teacher before. Um, So I became a de facto, coach as we brought on new teachers to let them know what to expect to um, get them acclimated and trained in our processes and in our systems. And as we tried to define what I did, so I was hired as an, as an ELA teacher. That's what my certification is in. But I did all of these other staff support things as more and more teachers came on. So um, we eventually were able to codify that and and define it as an instructional coach role. So I do that now with all of our certified staff. I do trainings quarterly. Um, we do the lunch and learn process mm-hmm. where we talk about teaching methods. I also do um, course reviews because we write a lot of our own content. So as teachers write content, I will review it and help them to you know, improve it and make sure they're checking all the boxes and, um, just that it's the best that it can be. Mm -hmm. And also keeping abreast of what online teaching is because a lot of people we know in the last few years, they know what it is. And then when you go to do it, it's, um, it's always its own thing. It's definitely has all of the aspects of really great classroom teaching with a little bit of a twist. And so it's, you know, helping teachers to, to do that and to support them as they figure out how that, what that looks like for them, um, mm-hmm. because we really want to invest in our staff and then retain our staff and not help, not have them feel overwhelmed.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Did you see a big increase in um, not only students, but also staff once
0: in schools went back in person? people
1: want to kind of work for your uh, collaborative? We saw a lot of variability in the last Mm -hmm. two to three years. We had a huge influx of enrollment during the the beginning of the pandemic because our school at that time was closing in on 10 years in operation. So a lot of people were really attracted to um, all that we had to offer and that we had been offering. We weren't kind of learning on the fly. But Then our staff also really reached out, especially within our county, to support a lot of remote learning and mentored a lot of teachers in other districts, so we were able to share what we knew with others. Um, I think we were a little surprised that we weren't able to do that more. We definitely thought this would be our opportunity to to share our expertise in having, you know, a decade of this under our belt. And just the circumstances of everyone's life kind of prevented that from from happening. There were just, you know, it's kind of, it relates to my out of the trenches story that none of these, you know, stressors happen in a bubble and life's just moving along while you're trying to figure this out. So, um, but we did, um, See a lot of variability. We learned a lot, and we have seen uh, what we have seen in enrollment follows the the trends that I have seen in my policy work across the nation. That we went okay. way up and we came down, but we're still above the enrollment that we were in 2019. So we have seen okay. some net growth, and we've also experienced some changes in demand. The types of students okay. that want virtual school parents that enjoyed some of the flexibility and they want hybrid options and you know we are able to accommodate some of that and we're actually sure. looking to maybe expand our program in even more directions to offer even more of that in the future.
0: Yeah I mean it sounds like a, a great um, opportunity like you said school students who are looking for electives for people kind of within you said we're in the whole geographic area of South Michigan. It doesn't really matter if they're kind of within that district, correct? They can they can still enroll in the This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to right, the episode.
1: Yeah, Students within our district and any geographically contiguous county through okay. Michigan School of Choice Law can enroll in our program. Okay, okay, yeah. So, um, yeah. As
0: as as we are learning, right, how to better accommodate our students, um, a lot of the students are also learning what works best for them, and it might not be the traditional, uh, seat in the classroom, right? So, um, yeah, it's great to have those options available, and. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of your work with uh, DLAC, which is a digital learning annual conference. So you you blog for them, and you also um, working with uh, you know specialists. So talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Yes, yeah, so DLAC uh, is the digital learning annual conference held every year in February, and it is put on by an organization called the Digital Learning Collaborative. Mm-hmm. And I know the two acronyms are really similar and they get confusing to people, but I have blogged for the DLC blog and also am the program specialist for the conference. And it started in 2019 as a networking event for online educators and schools specifically from all over the country. And I think this year we're anticipating more than a thousand um educators administrators and support people for the conference um, in Austin Texas in February and it covers a variety of topics online learning blended learning hybrid learning and um, a lot of administrators and practitioners along with you know companies that support all of those different kinds of learning attend the conference it's, a ton of sessions, a lot of short sessions. It's a very unique format and a lot of networking opportunities are provided as well. I've attended every year since 2020 and spoke at the last two. And then this year I'm excited to help plan the conference that's happening in 2023. And, um, And then also working throughout the year with the DLC, Um, collaborative and attending webinars. We were able to speak at one of their recent webinars about our student growth numbers for our virtual school um, and celebrate how um, well our students are doing um, compared to other schools in Michigan. And I've also been able to write for their blog on how schools can help parents support students in a virtual environment, Because we have found that's a really important role of Mm -hmm. a parent learning coach, but it's often one that parents feel a little overwhelmed um, in. And so um, I wrote about some interesting research in the biggest impact parents can have on their students, um, specifically in the virtual classroom. But I, I would venture to guess it's the same for any student. And the most impactful thing a parent can do is just maintain a positive attitude. And uh, encourage their students to problem solve and to keep trying.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, you know, it's different than the time where you know the everybody was home and you know parents tried to support their kids because they were they had to be home. But when a, choo- a parent and student are choosing to do online, it's just making sure you kind of know the expectations. Uh, you have that communication with the teacher. You know where to find these types of things. But it's great. Also, you guys have. That. Um, you know especially even though you're online educators you're having the in-person conference so people can network it's (laughs) different like when you're actually meeting the people in person so um, and I also connected with you through the teach better team so uh, you've done a blog for them Um, are you interested in maybe doing some more blogs as well in around what topic
1: yes I have Recently, found the the Teach Better Network, and I've really enjoyed the podcasts and the blogs there. And so, I have thrown my hat into the ring, I guess, and done my first blog post. I do intend to do more. I do have my own blog, um, and so, trying to navigate all of those different audiences, my topic um, tends to just center on online learning. And my desire to write about it came about fairly recently. I was on the DLC proof points webinar and I was asked, you know, what does your school do different that you get these, you know, great results. And I was a little stumped because I thought, I don't know how we're different because I really only know how we do things. And I know they're great. And I know I work with some really great people, but it really inspired me to identify what it is that we do and share that with other people that may be interested in our methods. Um, and so that's really inspired me to get out and network with more groups like the DLC and like the the teach better um, team. And I just found them to be you know really common, minded about educational philosophy type stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, getting more blogs about online teaching since, uh, you know, a lot of other educators that were writing about it, they, they're all kind of in person right now. It's good to, to have more, um, you know, for support for, you know, people like me who are doing part-time tutoring online, mm-hmm. you know, it's always good to have those extra tips and tricks Um, You mentioned in your trend story that you're now working on a PhD in educational policy. So uh, tell me a little bit about what your research topic will be and what you plan on finishing that up.
1: Yes, um, I entered my PhD program in the the spring of 2020, which was an interesting time to start anything like that, I guess. And I take it all online. I did my master's online too, and I can tell Anybody, if they teach online in a full or part time capacity, that they really should be an online student because it will give you a lot of empathy for your own students. And um, I relearned some things when I entered my PhD program as an online student. I think it makes me a better online teacher. Um, I initially was looking at um, seat time as a virtual school. You know, I'm really passionate about the fact that learning happens in a multitude of places and every student learns at a different rate and the tradition of applying of assigning time to credits is really arbitrary so i looked at that and that um research topic seemed kind of done when i i did my initial literature reviews on it so i've moved into um looking at some funding policy measures and learned that those get messy really quickly because every state is different. That's why it can be really challenging to consult in, you know, virtual education or any kind of education state to state because every state is is vast, is different in some way. Um, and so my current topic is looking at student outcomes in virtual schools specifically in schools like mine that are within a district to examine the impact that being in a district has on student outcomes like course completion and like um, reading and math test scores our district started this program more than 10 years ago feeling that the students would have a richer experience if they had that connection to a local teacher so that's what I'm looking at to see if Um, You know, the data bears that out and what other implications that has for, you know, policy of schools having their own virtual program, which a lot of districts are considering post-pandemic because they had one. And while the majority of people wanted to go back to in-person, a lot of different districts found that they did have a significant subset that wanted that as an option going forward, and they're wondering how to do that the most effectively
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah like you said a lot of districts have had something or use something with the state but it's actually yeah making sure that uh, the outcomes uh, maybe sometimes are better or what type of students you serve so i'll be interested to um, read more about them and uh, you said you might be done in a year and a half spring of 24
1: spring of 24 is my yeah expected completion for my dissertation which I'm just fully in dissertation writing mode now so we'll see how that goes
0: (laughs) well I've had a great chat with you uh today about my teaching how you got started in your role and uh, how you um, train staff uh, within the virtual collaborative Uh, Of everything we talked about, uh, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember?
1: I think my one takeaway is that point that virtual teaching is both unique and it incorporates the best teaching practices from the classroom. So it really really requires a teacher to kind of combine the best of both worlds. Um, And it really provides a unique experience for teachers, maybe like me, and also for students um, that need that modality it's it's not for everyone but for those that um, benefit from it it can be a really rich experience where can people connect with you and
0: uh, find you online
1: yeah great question i have a blog um, unboxingeducation.blogspot.com and i am on linkedin and twitter as glb springer
0: hey great great i'll make sure to include that in the show notes well thank you so much for being on the out of the trenches podcast today it was a pleasure talking with you and learning more about um, changing online education
1: thank you so much for having me dana and i enjoy your podcast i look forward to hearing more
0: my book out of the trenches stories of resilient educators has now been published Get it now at amzn.to slash 3 b 7 2 z Again, amzn.to slash 3 b 7 x 2 z will- Check out the show notes on danagootier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC.